It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on all things Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors writer for the Mercury News. Today's episode of Locked On Warriors is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting low carb protein bar I've ever had. The promo code Locked On gets you $10 off of your first box at builtbar.com. We have some mailbag questions to get to, and I want to address this question about the 96 Bulls versus the 2017 Warriors. But before I get to any of that, I wanted to talk about Steve Kerr's portion of the Last Dance documentary. I thought was one of the most well-done parts of the whole documentary. I knew um, of all that background and stuff about Steve and his dad, but I I thought they did a really nice job of bridging that to Steve Kerr hitting that big shot in the 97 finals. I remember Michael Thompson, who filmed all this stuff in 97, 98, telling me that that was the most moving part of the series, and... I thought it was up there with one of the most moving parts of the series. I would probably take that part about Steve Kerr, everything that he went through, and how that sort of, the way that the documentary kind of put it together from a a storytelling perspective, kind of having all of that stuff culminate in him hitting that big shot in 1997 that gave the Bulls the lead against the Jazz um, and kind of sealed that win for them in Game 6, but... Um, you know, the, the, these parts about Steve Kerr standing there during the national anthem, thinking about his dad and how he would never believe where he was um, right then. Because when when Steve's dad, you know, was assassinated, he was going to Arizona in college. I don't think anybody in, any had, had any sort of idea that this would be what Steve Kerr's career would be as a player, as a coach, all of those things. And his dad wasn't around for a lot of that. And Steve you know, to this day, talks a lot about his dad and his influence. And it's just, it's clear in the way that Steve Kerr goes about his job. Um, when he was a when he was a college athlete at Arizona, he just dove into basketball harder than ever, went to the NBA, had this great perspective, and this, this idea that he would never back down. And, you know, against a guy like Michael Jordan, who, you know, is a threatening persona has this kind of had that reputation earned reputation for bullying guys in the locker room and stuff and Steve Kerr was one of the few guys who could walk into that locker room and say I don't care how you bully me it doesn't matter what you say I like you could be a biggest asshole on the planet it doesn't matter I've been through so much this stuff doesn't matter I'm not going to be worried about what you think even if you're the greatest player of all time and that showed and that showed when Steve Kerr punched Michael Jordan and I think that's why Michael Jordan ultimately respected Steve Kerr and went to Steve Kerr, even though he was struggling in those 96 finals when they needed that shot when and when it was the right play to make. Um, and even now as a coach, you know, Steve Kerr talks all the time. Not like obviously he's got the uh, the political stuff. You know, he's very willing to speak out about Donald Trump and all of these things and what he thinks are, is wrong with the country. And he's. He's, he's very outspoken when it comes to these societal and political issues, but 
Um, moreover, is just that perspective. When you deal with something like that traumatic, when you're that young, it puts all these other things into perspective. And I think that's why the Warriors have managed to be as good as they've been for as long as they've been under Steve Kerr. The entire time, basically, other than this last season with, you know, extenuating circumstances. So um, I thought that was a really moving part. I thought it was really well done. I thought they did a good job telling the whole story. Um, and, and again, nothing new necessarily for, I think, Warriors fans. But they did a nice job of weaving all of that stuff about Steve Kerr into the greater story for of the Chicago Bulls that season. So the other thing I wanted to to talk about with this last dance is uh, what the Warriors can learn from how those Bull teams retooled between three-peats. Okay, so you had the Bulls, their first three-peat. Michael Jordan goes, plays minor league baseball for like a year and a half, comes back, they go to the playoffs, they they lose in the playoffs, so they were unhealthy, incomplete team without yet Dennis Rodman. Michael Jordan wasn't in basketball shape. Um, but then, you know, once, once Michael Jordan plays a full season, they go on to win three more championships. Michael Jordan retires. Um, I, I bring this up because Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are the same age that Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen were, respectively, in their first season of the Bulls' second three-peat. So why I say that is because the window is still clearly open for the Warriors. Okay, this, this gap year could be compared to that gap year, that baseball stuff that Michael Jordan did. All right? Again, Steph Curry at 30 years old is the same age that Michael Jordan was, or 31, same age that Michael Jordan was when the the Bulls started that first three-peat. Klay Thompson, same age Scottie Pippen was. They still have Draymond Green. And I think right now the difference between that first version of the Warriors and whatever this next version is going to be is that Steph, Clay, and Draymond have gone from being bracketed by veterans like Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, David West, Andrew Bogut, Zaza Pachulia. They don't have those guys anymore. And they don't have sort of this head of the snake type thing in Kevin Durant. But this team was good enough before Kevin Durant to win a championship. That does not necessarily mean... They're going to be good enough now without Kevin Durant. We don't know that. But they think that they can return to being a championship-caliber team. And the difference now is going to be that Steph and Clay and Draymond are not only going to have to be the best players on the team without Kevin Durant, they're going to have to be the three of the three best players on the team, but they're now the elder statesmen on the team. And so that's why you had Bob Myers and Steve Kerr agreeing that they needed to sort of revamp this bench. Everybody looks at the line of demarcation of this last season with Steph Curry breaking his hand against the Suns. That wasn't when the season was over for the Warriors. The season was over for the Warriors before it began. Okay? They had no depth. They, had, they were developing most of the roster. Klay Thompson obviously was going to be in, out for the whole season. They were trying to work in D'Angelo Russell. They end up flipping D'Angelo Russell in February for Andrew Wiggins, and a lot of people wondered why they did that so soon. One of the reasons you do that so soon is because they just don't have that much time. Yes, Steph Curry, same age as Michael Jordan when Michael started that second three-peat. But you know what happened? Michael Jordan won three championships and then retired. So that's really the window we're talking about right now. Three or four years right now. That's what Steph has. Warriors people would tell you they have about four or five years. I think they've got three or four years. I don't think they're going to win three straight. I I think that's unlikely, obviously. 
But they could definitely win at least another one. Absolutely. But that's what makes this upcoming offseason so pivotal for them. They have to nail this offseason. They have to nail this top five draft pick or whatever they end up doing with it. They have to get something really valuable with this mid-level, uh, uh, the traded player exception, the $17.2 million that they got for trading Andre Iguodala. The mid-level exception is not as big a deal. Those, those players, you can even just do one-year deals because you're always going to have a mid-level exception every year. You can just one-year deal those things and get good players every year, veteran players every year. But with the traded player exception, you, you, you very rarely get one the size at $17 million. That is a very valuable asset. And though it's between that and this top five pick, they have to knock both of those out of the park. And the Andrew Wiggins thing needs to work out. Maybe he's not long-term. Maybe he's not even around for the next championship, okay? But it needs to work out well enough that you, can act, that you could trade him if he's not going to be around. And he's not going to necessarily be a negative asset the way he was in Minnesota. If you can make him a neutral asset, the, the salary is going to be the salary. He's never going to be worth $27 million a year. He never. He's never going to be worth $27 million a year. But he could be less negative than he is now. He could be helpful. And maybe you have to still pair him with a pick. But it, it might not be as bad as it – if you can make it better to where it is now, where you're definitely going to have to pair him with probably two, or, or two first-round picks to get off that contract, maybe you can make it a little bit less. Um, so – it was clear that the D'Angelo Russell thing wasn't working. That's why you make the move for Wiggins and why you do it as soon as you can because they know there just isn't that much time. The Warriors know that, okay? They need to start competing for championships next year if they're going to maximize Steph Curry's window. You don't get a window like this all the time. And yeah, maybe you're able to do the San Antonio Spurs thing and you're able to parlay this group into sustained success going forward. And there's somebody that Steph Curry can hand the baton to, so to speak. But that's not guaranteed, and you can't really plan for it. You do your best. Maybe you get a Kawhi Leonard situation. Maybe there's something like that that happens. But you can't count on it. What you can count on is that this team, this trio, with Steve Kerr leading them, has the foundation that can win a championship. So you need to maximize that foundation first and foremost because we saw what happened in the last dance. Because at the end of this... The, the series, Michael Jordan said that they could have competed for seven, but they pulled the plug on it. And he has always wondered what if, despite having won six. He has always wondered what if. And if you're the Warriors, you don't want to wonder what if. You need to go all in, and you got to do it right now. I've got some questions to get to here also, but first, I want to talk to you about Built Bars, who are rebuilding the world of protein bars. This is the best tasting protein bar I've ever had. It's a protein bar covered in 100% real chocolate. It's delicious. With 16 amazing flavors, Built Bar tastes like a candy bar while delivering fewer sugars and carbs, making it better tasting and better for you than any of its competitors. With delicious flavors like mint brownie, raspberry chocolate cream, and toffee almond, Built Bar is like a cheat code for the healthy, conscious men and women. These bars are low-calorie, they're low-sugar, and they're also high in protein and high in fiber. They're making them perfect for any ketogenic diet, any low-carb diet. I know personally, I go back and forth between keto and low-carb diets all the time. And I always I have a box of Built Bars with me all the time because it doesn't matter which one of these sort of low carb diets I'm on because they fit within the macros and the things that I, I and eating pattern that I need. Uh, one of my personal favorite flavors, by the way, peanut butter brownie, is packed with 20 grams of protein with just 170 calories, three grams of sugars, and just three net carbs. So again, perfect for your keto diets, your low carb diets, and they taste great. So go to builtbar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get ten dollars off your first order. Again, 
Use the promo code Locked On, one word, Locked On, for ten dollars off at BuiltBar.com. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive-through for your own steamy carton of crispy golden goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, I want to weigh in on this 96 Bulls versus 2017 Warriors debate. But first, we got some questions that the listeners asked that I want to get to. This first one comes from Carl, who writes in, What are the chances that the Warriors get back Glenn Robinson III and Alec Burks? Those guys can replace Iggy and Sean. Um, I think the chances of the Warriors getting back Glenn Robinson are decent, though I wouldn't count on it. Glenn Robinson got burned, okay? There's no ifs and buts about it. He got burned. He did everything that that coaching staff asked, and the Warriors decided to move on from him, getting really nothing back. Uh, and I th- and I, I got to know Glenn pretty well when, when he was in Golden State, and um, he really wanted to make it a long-term home. So that, he, I, I think there's a chance because he liked, he enjoyed his time in Golden State so much, and he might look out uh, at the landscape this offseason when it does happen, and say, you know what, none, none of these circumstances are as good as the situation I had in Golden State. So you know what, I'm going to swallow my pride, I'm going to re-sign there, but I'm going to do it on a multi-year contract or I'm not doing it all. And I could see that being the case with him. Um, it really depends on who else offers him a, a contract and what sort of contract it is. As good as he was in Golden State, he wasn't very good in Philadelphia, Okay. Um, I still think teams look at him as a useful player. I think the Warriors put the blueprint out there as to how you use a guy like Glenn Robinson III, but he got a lot more playing time. He got a lot more opportunity than he's going to have maybe at any other point in his career. So I think, again, he would work in the Warriors ecosystem, but it would be a matter of him sort of maybe having to accept a disappointing deal. As far as Alec Burks goes, um, I don't think that there's a chance he comes back to the Warriors. You could argue he might even be more valuable because they do need extra scoring, and he can score. The problem with Alec Burks is that he can, he can score, but not very efficiently. And he's one of these guys that if he's going to be if he's going to be sort of this microwave scorer off the bench, he needs to be more efficient because he's not going to be able to play as many minutes as he did for Golden State. He's not going to get 20, 22 shots a game like he did in Golden State. It's just not going to happen. So you can, there's, there's like the outline of a thing that the Warriors need, but I think they need a guy who's a little bit more efficient than Alec Burks, who could space the floor a little bit more than Alec Burks and not turn the ball over quite as much. You want guys that are going to take a lot fewer things off the table than Burks does. As good of a scorer he is, he's a pretty one-dimensional player. Um, I think when you talk about trying to replace a guy like Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston, I, I, what gets lost in that so much, you look at a guy like Iguodala, you look at his length, and you look at his defensive abilities, and you look at his ball handling. When you look at Sean Livingston, you look at a guy who's got a nice little mid-range game and his length and what he can do defensively. What gets lost when we talk about them is their passing ability. Both of them are really smart, intelligent passers who can fit within the scheme of an offense. We never really saw that from Glenn Robinson. We never really saw that from Alec Burks. Alec Burks can run, pick, and roll, and he can do those things. He can function in that sort of offense. I don't think he functions in the next version of the Warriors' offense. Glenn Robinson the third. 
like a nice player. He can run the floor, but he's very much off the ball, okay? And the Warriors like guys who can do stuff with the ball in their hands a little bit more. And so when you talk about replacing Iguodala and Sean Livingston, keep that in mind. First and foremost, they're going to need guys who can switch defensively, but also make plays with the ball in their hands. That ball is going to swing all the time. That's Steve Kerr's ethos. That's what he does. That's his offense. That ball is going to swing around all the time, so everybody's going to touch it. So when you touch it, you got to be able to do something with it and make the right decision. Burks, Robinson did not necessarily do that. They're good players. They're fine players. I don't know that they're at that level. And that's, if you're the Warriors, what you need to go find with not only this top five pick, but also this traded player exception, probably the MLE too. This next question comes from Gary, who writes in, of Sadiq Bey, Okoro, and Denny Avija, who would be the likeliest pick for the Warriors? Thanks. Um, I don't think Bay is in their plans for the same reasons I just outlined. He's not an on-ball guy. Okay, I, every Warriors fan is obsessed with like these Robert Covington prototypes. You don't want Robert Covington dribbling the ball. And this is why I always said that it never made any... Like, the Andrew Wiggins deal makes more sense than the Robert Covington deal for the Warriors because at least Wiggins can run offense. At least he can do something with the ball in his hands. Covington can't. All right, and so these prototypes just aren't... I think there's this, there's this thing among Warriors fans that think that Robert Covington or somebody like him would be the perfect fit for the Warriors. He would not. And by the way, this is a very blogosphere, Twittersphere type thing, this idea that they should go after the Robert Covingtons, these 3 and D guys. The Warriors don't want 3 and D guys. The Rockets want 3 and D guys because Harden and Westbrook are the only guys touching the ball on offense. That's not the case for the Warriors. Everybody is going to touch the ball. So everybody, first and foremost, needs to be a ball handler. Bay isn't that, okay? So when you look at the Warriors acquiring anybody, it's going to be somebody who can handle the ball. Okoro can handle the ball a little bit. Okay, Avija can handle the ball a lot of it. Those are why they're in the conversation. I like Avija for the Warriors more than the, any of those other guys that were mentioned here by Gary. But it's also why I go back to a Lamelo Ball, why I go back to Tyrese Halliburton, and and those sort of, and even an Anthony Edwards. These guys who had demonstrated the ability to run offense, to handle the ball, to make plays. That's why I go back to them. And it's not a personal thing, by the way. This is what the Warriors look for. This is what they are looking for in a player. This is what they're looking for. They like Denny. I think if it was between these, to answer Gary's question, if it was between these three players, they're all on the board, they go Denny. I think Okoro is very much in the mix, though. Coming up, who would win... Between the 96 Bulls and the 2017 Warriors, I weigh in. This is Locked on Warriors. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Lenovo. At CDW, we get putting productivity within reach of remote employees. That's why I'm WFC, working from couch and moving everything within arm's length, like the microwave. Lunchtime. You should talk to the experts at CDW. They can orchestrate a more efficient workspace solution using light, powerful devices from Lenovo to keep your teams productive from anywhere, couch included. Yeah, but do they have grabber claws? Whoops. IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Learn more at cdw.com slash Lenovo client. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. Making you old-fashioned today with Wild Turkey Bourbon 101. 
It just really stands up very well in a classic cocktail like the Old Fashioned. It has that perfect boldness. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked On Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, where you can rate us, review us, say nice things about us. Remember, use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off of your first box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. There's a question going around about who would win a series between the 96 Bulls and the 2017 Warriors. And, of course, you have a lot of old heads saying that no one could guard Michael Jordan and that because he was 6-0 in the finals, that, that his will to win would trump any of the Warriors' talent. But then you have the analytics people talking about how all these efficiency numbers and how the small ball warriors would play those Chicago, some of Chicago's best players off the floor. And I just think both people are sort of missing the point. I think they're, first of all, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy to think this, but I, I, I do believe that the Warriors win that series pretty easily. I mean, it's an unfair game. Those Warriors, when healthy were the most lopsidedly talented team ever assembled, as great as Jordan was. And he would be a problem absolutely in that series, as would Scottie Pippen. I, I think the Warriors just have this, they just had this extra superstar that was unfair. That because of the cap spike, combined with Steph Curry's ridiculously cheap contract, and Kevin Durant wanting to leave Oklahoma City, they were able, they were, it was this perfect confluence of events that allowed the Warriors, who had just won 72 freaking games, to get one of the best three players in the league on their team, to add one of the best three players in the league to their team. And nobody since Jordan's Bulls have had four superstars quite like that, okay? You can argue, right, Michael Jordan, the gap between Michael Jordan and any of the next, any of the Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, wherever you put them, and ESPN just ranked them 13 and 14 respectively. The gap between them and Michael Jordan is vast. No doubt about it. We saw that because the next closest thing to Michael Jordan, LeBron James, was able to beat the Warriors without Kevin Durant, but was able to beat the Warriors almost single-handedly. I mean, Kyrie Irving was great, but he's not, you know, top 50, top 74, whatever, greatest ever, but great, okay? I think that the gap between Scottie Pippen and Klay Thompson is very wide. Very wide. But Clay Thompson, like in an all-time sense, but Clay Thompson's a damn good player. And I, his three-point shooting does narrow that gap a, a little bit between him and Scottie Pippen. Because he can do it so efficiently at the volume that he does it at. And then you've got Draymond Green, and then there's this argument about Draymond versus Dennis Rodman. And I don't really want to weigh in on that. I, I, I just, look, let's just call that a wash, okay? Dennis Rodman was a much better rebounder. But Draymond Green could do things with the ball, do things with the ball in his hands that Dennis Rodman couldn't. And let's face it, like the best version of Dennis Rodman was Detroit Dennis Rodman, not Chicago Dennis Rodman. So let's keep in mind what Dennis Rodman we're talking about here. We're talking about an older Dennis Rodman by '97 or, or by 1996. So um, I still, but then Draymond Green is getting older too. But in 2017, he was still, you know, pretty much at his peak there. Um, so you just take all of that and you just add in the fact that they've, they've got an extra superstar in Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, whatever they've got, 
Andre Ugadala coming off the bench, who in that year is better than I think a lot of guys coming off Chicago's bench. So you got this death lineup that would be a problem for Chicago. And obviously, I don't know if hand-checking is a part of this. I don't know what era we're playing this in. But I, I don't necessarily know that any of that stuff matters. And the debate kind of sinks into these things all the time as this unanswerable question. Oh, well, it depends on what era they played in. No, it doesn't. I don't think it does. I just think the Warriors are way more talented. I mean, it would be like adding, I don't know, like Patrick Ewing to those Bulls teams. It would just be like, okay, now they got this one extra thing that they don't, they shouldn't really have. And that's what that Bull, that's what that Warriors team was like. They were so good. Those Cavaliers teams got swept or they, or they or won one game, right? They could not hang with those Warriors teams whatsoever. But look at those Cavaliers teams, and they were maybe some of the most underrated teams we've ever had. Those teams were really good. Really good. Those, te- those 2017 Cavaliers were damn good. That team wins the championship most other years. They had no chance against the Warriors. None. Championship caliber coach, great head coach, uh, a, a team with championship experience with Kevin Durant, who had just come off of championship experience. I just, I, I don't know. And this is not an anti-Michael Jordan thing. This is not even an anti-Bulls thing. I just think it's an unfair question because that Warriors team in 2017 was the most unfair team we've ever had. And I think it is, I, I don't think it was good for the NBA. I don't know why Warriors fans would ever want to do that again because I just don't think that they were ever respected for it. So it's not even a pro-Warriors thing. It's just the fact, man. Like, it was the most lopsidedly talented team ever that probably shouldn't have ever happened, but it did. It was one of the oddest things that ever happened in NBA history, and I just don't think any ever, I don't don't think any team ever compares with it. Um, So that's where I stand on that. I'll get out of here now. Thanks for listening to Locked on Warriors. Please stay safe out there. We'll be back again later this week. Have a good one. San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked on Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. I'm Eric Fowle. Together we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.